Hey, if you're listening to this, Trust Driven Care is our new software and education, and it's all about helping to grow your office through building trust with your patients and your members. One great feature that we added was the ability to add membership sites. Membership sites are places where you can hold your own video courses that you offer to people in your marketing programs, or maybe you have a certain coursework on nutrition you want to give every single patient who comes in for a new patient exam. These membership courses can be so powerful. If you've ever used something like Kajabi or Thinkific or Learnistic, it's very similar to that. We wanted to add them in so everyone can see the benefit of those and grow their practice through sharing that information with their patients and their members. Check out Trust Driven Care. It includes that as one of the great features that we think will help build trust with your patients, grow your audience, grow your impact in your community, and create more raving fans. So go ahead and check it out at trustdrivencare.com. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. This is Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm excited for you to be on this journey. Look, when I started my Clinic Gym Hybrid back in 2013, I didn't have a place to go for resources. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we're here. I hope you dig this interview. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, as always, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm excited today to be joined by a passionate individual, Jamie Schreier. Jamie, how are you? I'm doing great, Josh. Appreciate uh, being here. Look forward to getting in some good stuff with you. Yeah. Now, Jamie, you are essentially the uh, the the head of Practice Freedom U, uh, which people can find at practicefreedomu.com. Uh, but I want to pull out that middle word, that freedom thing, because you know, as we record this, as I said, we're heading into the end of the year, or aka when we plan for next year, right? And I think a lot of people listening are going next year. Next year's the year, man. This is the year I'm finally doing it, right? I'm going to have six-pack abs. My practice will be making a ton of money. My wife's going to love me twice as much. My dog's going to you know, play fetch with me every day. Life's going to be grand. I'm on a mountain bike three days a week. My golf handicap's going to be in the single digits, blah, 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 right? And as you know, unfortunately, um, as good as we are at looking forward, we're not so good at, as, a, as a group. Practice owners are not so good at implementation, right? So if if uh, if you don't mind, I'd love to dive into that and kind of see how can we help people listening find freedom, freedom in any way they want to define. If they want to say, "Hey, freedom to me is making a, another hundred grand next year," or "Freedom is taking off Fridays," or "Freedom is you know no, no work, uh, right mountain bike with my buddies on Tuesdays and Thursdays." However, they define it. Absolutely. What do you say? Yeah, Good. yeah. I mean, freedom, freedom to me and to most people would be around uh, choice be around yeah. control because yeah. we, want, we want control. We want choice. We don't want to be a victim here. So freedom about yeah. is about having choice. And because we're all business owners, that's the best way to create this choice to have control over how much money do we want to make control over our time, control over who we spend our time with control over the people that we want to work with. Like you work for somebody else they're hiring the people. It might be someone like, oh my God, I can't stand these right. people. But you get that choice. So yeah. that's what freedom has always meant to me. Or, being a, or your patient uh, base, right? If, you, if uh, you're successful, you have the freedom to say, I only want to see, you know, for me, it's golfers. I, that That's who really motivates me. I only want to see them. But that means that I have to have the choice to turn away the soccer moms and the, you know, youth athletes and all that stuff. And, well, you uh, have to make the, you have to make decisions. Yeah, you have to make decisions of what's most important to you. I mean, you you brought up a second ago about you know yes, 
you know, we're doing this recording and it's the end of uh, the end of the year. Um, it's pretty much done by now. I, you know, I said in September, I said, Hey, everybody, we have 10 weeks of active stuff after that. Once Thanksgiving hits, man, everyone just uses the procrastination excuse of, you know, I'm busy. I'll get back with you after the, yep. the let year. me get through the holidays. Let me get through the holidays. Let me get through exactly. the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of right there. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I hear you about that. And that's a huge, huge area that, uh, that I love to dive into. Fantastic. Well, just so people know your bona fides, uh, uh, how can give us a little snapshot of your background? Excuse me. So we know uh, what you're, where you're talking from. Yeah. So I've been um, in the physical therapy world for 28 years as, as a therapist. Um, I had a, a private practice. And uh, after a few years of being in private practice, um, I was uh, effing miserable. Um, yeah. I could admit it. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I was struggling for new patients. I was struggling to make money. Um, all I knew how to do was work harder and treat people. And that just kept me stuck at, at the office working from literally, you know, 12 to, or seven to seven every day. I mean, I'd leave when it was dark out. I'd get home when it was dark out and it was just depressing and it was killing and hurting my family. Um, and then a freak accident happened. Uh, my place burned down. Uh, there was a fire, there was electrical fire, uh, in our bathroom and my whole suite burned down. And when it did, Josh, it was like a snow day. I was never so happy that it burned down because I did, it was on Sunday. I didn't have to go to work on Monday mm -hmm. or Tuesday or Wednesday or yeah, Wednesday. Yeah. A few months. And it was like pressing reset. I had yeah. a choice to make. Am I going to go back to doing what I was doing? And I was absolutely miserable. Or was I going to leave the profession, which I, which I considered, I yeah. considered just going on the profession or door number three, which I ended up choosing is I said, you know what, what if I actually learned the business of physical therapy? Like, I don't know any of this stuff. I just have an ego. I just think I know my dad had a small business. I thought I knew how to do it. Right. I have a bravado, but the, the real right. reality And I'm is, doing it a little bit better than the guy down the street, which is, you know, the bar is set pretty damn low. Exactly. The bar is very low in our world. I didn't know about marketing and operations and practice management and financials. I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. I just knew how to treat. So that's yeah. what I did. I just made a decision. I'm going to invest in that. So I invested a lot of time, a lot of money, and it took me forever because I made a ton of mistakes. But I said, all I want to do is have a business where I didn't have to go in on Monday and still make money. And I could start having a life, which yeah. is why I wanted to do this business. Took me nine I, years, but I did it. I got to say, you know, I've heard a version of that story a few times. Like a lot of times people are not necessarily willing to admit that the, the tragedy, tragedies, I, I can think of a friend, he uh, just absolutely miserable thing about leaving the profession. He's, you know, working on patients and he has a big patient come in and he does like a side posture adjustment, you know, for his lumbar spine and blows out, the doctor blows out his rotator cuff, Right. And uh, goes home that night and he tells me this crazy story. He starts, you know, tells his wife what happens. Uh, he, he was able to get an MRI, like, because his buddy had an MRI center. So he got an MRI the same day, complete thickness tear, you know, has no range of motion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Goes home to his wife and starts crying. And she's like, oh my God, is it the pain? You know, is it your shoulder? You want some Advil? And he's like sobbing and, you know, he's kneeling at the side of her bed. She's sitting on the bed. His face is in her lap. He, she's, he's just sobbing. And he said, no, it's, 
I'm sobbing because of the, the amount of relief I feel right now. Like I'm not expected to show up tomorrow to work and I can't believe how relieving that feels. I didn't realize like how much of a trap he caught himself in, you know? And same thing, that, that miserable moment, that horrible, uh, you know, situation is what led to his kind of finding a way out. And, um, and he kind of similar, took a similar path of, he said, how, how could I grow my practice? What if it was 10 times the size Yep. next year? What would I have to do? Because I couldn't, I just physically can't treat 10, 10 times as many people. Like that's just not the solution, you know? So that's how he thought through, but going yeah, back I, to you. So not nine years in, you, you kind of, <laughs> you had some marks on your chin from, getting getting hit by uh, uh the reality of wor- the world and uh what did you realize what were some things that you that really stuck out along that journey well a lot of things um i i learned i learned a ton along the way and i always learned it making some terrible mistake yeah so there's, there's one anybody that says uh repetition is the mother all learning i'm like Oh, you've never lost a shitload of money or, or got somebody just raging pissed at you. Like, I don't need repetitions at going bankrupt. You know, like how about how about your <laughs> clinical director uh, yeah. doing a screening, a five minute screening on a potential patient, and um, and then an hour later getting um, taken out in the handcuffs because the patient claimed that he improperly touched her. Wow. I wasn't there at all. Um, I had to hear it um, on the news. When, when oh my, my sister-in-law calls me and says, what's going on in your business? I go, what are you talking about? He goes, your business was just on the news. And I live outside of DC. A lot of people watch the news. And they said, yeah, um, one of your employees just got arrested. What the hell's going on? I call him up. He goes, yeah, I'm sorry. I meant to tell you. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't do it. I go, you didn't do it. That's your defense? So, you know, I ended up uh, learning a lot about uh, systems and processes. Yeah. And, and, and getting very clear on expectations and doing a really good job making sure you're hiring very high-end ethical, moral people. Because this person actually had this similar instance in another state. So when I did my um, background check, I only did it for my state. I didn't think of it to do it nationally. Right. So that taught me a lot about HR and processes and systems. And I ended up putting that in place. Um, I had someone, you know, steal from me. Um, I've had someone uh, not pay my employees. You know, this whole exempt and non-exempt business. I don't know about you, Josh. I never really understood any of that stuff. I just trusted my office manager. Well, she um, decided not to pay my front desk person who, um, if they do overtime, has to get paid and instead gave her something called comp time. Nobody wants comp time. They want money. Um, so this person somehow knew the, um, uh, the uh, uh, investigating uh, people at the uh, whatever, the people that do the, the labor. Department of Labor like or something? Yeah. So I got a call on a Friday. Is this Jamie Schreier? I said, yeah. He goes, you know, I'm investigating uh, an employee that you, you didn't pay properly. I go, yeah, right. And I hung up on him. And I said, <laughs> uh, I, I said, you know, if it's really you, shoot me an email because I get, I get this crap all the time. Um, it was the, it was uh, investigator you, um, uh, from uh, from uh, name skipping my mind, but um, yeah, from a department so, you don't want to hear from. Is what you, you know. You don't want to hear you're being investigated. Yeah, 
So not only did I investigate me against this one person, and by the way, my employee wasn't working there anymore, my office manager, investigated me, all my employees, for the past four years. I ended up having to pay tens of thousands of dollars um, because my office manager decided this is how you do business. So, you know, during my journey, I learned a lot about business, a lot about people, a lot about how to create a business that not only helps you grow and get the money and the time that you want, but also helps create a place that's a safe environment for your staff, yeah. for your patients, and mm-hmm. for you. That's right. the really key. It's, um, a, it's like a Venn diagram where all three have to overlap. You know, in my mind, it's always the patient, the doctor, wh- whoever the provider is, and then the business. You know, now if you're the owner, a lot of that's going to kind of blend even more, but it has to work for all three of those entities because there are plenty of people who deliver great care and go out of business a couple of years later. There's plenty of places where the, the patients are happy and they're paying a low rate, but the doctor is getting burned out, you know, and three years later is going to be like, I'm out of here. I, I have no desire to treat anymore. And then there's other places where the yeah. patients are just disappointed all the time. So exactly. And, you know, once I did that, once that nine year passed and I was able to create a business that, you know, I didn't go into the business more than a few hours a week. That was my goal. And yeah. made more money than I ever had. Had a great team. Had lots of systems in place, and and all that. And less less stuff. news exposure. <laughs> yeah, less news exposure. Um, I started to um, help other people. So I mm-hmm. shared people my story, and the people started to reach out. I didn't actually go yeah. into this. So I became like the uh, the the coach that started helping other people. Right. And now I've been doing that now for ten years. Um, I've had, you know, over 4,000 coaching calls, worked with hundreds of different practices, all different mm-hmm. types. Mm-hmm. And I realized, Josh, a couple things. One, we are very caring, healing people. We like to help and heal others. Number two, we will sacrifice our own well-being and our own family and our own financial well-being to do it. And that's not okay with me. See, I believe like you. It's unsustainable that- too. I mean, it's, you can't, it works for a while, but then something gives either. I mean, I, I, I have plenty of friends who got a divorce and their wife cited, you know, you're always at your practice. You're always working on your yeah. business. You're doing whatever. And, uh, and other ones, you know, didn't make the money and shut down. Other ones, all their employees left. That's happened to me. Like, oh, I've had, I've seen people have, you know, heart attacks because of stress. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, I mean, this is a serious thing. But, you know, what I see is a lot of times that we don't put the, the, the effort and the, um, and the investment into learning how to do this business. It's almost like because we're very good at our craft, we took all of this education, all of these skills that we're very good at how to adjust somebody and get them better, that somehow that relates how to, yeah. how to market or how to organize yeah. or how to hire. Like, yeah. where's, the, where's the crossover here? And, and part of it is because we have these big egos and yet we lack, I don't know, we lack the confidence or we lack something that says, Jamie, maybe you don't know how to do business, but you could if you learn just like you were very good at helping people. So those right. are some of the things that I learned along the way. And, and now I'm just so passionate about trying to help the, the small practitioner out there, whether it's a few hundred thousand or a million or, or a few million, because we, we're needed. The world needs us. There's not enough people utilizing our care, not because they don't need us. It's because we don't know how to connect with them. 
And we don't know how to bring them in and take care of them in a way where they invite their friends and family and all this stuff without us being trapped like an indentured servant in our business. Yeah. All right. Well, I think everybody agrees with this point. Like, you know, I'm sure that a lot of the listeners are like, yeah, I see it. I've been there. I'm either there or I have friends that are there or whatever. But let's let's jump to something else. So, you know, you're you're on the Clinic Gym Radio podcast here and what that these are mostly chiropractors, some physical therapists. We're encouraging them to add a gym to their clinic. And the reason for that is inherently that's a service you are not servicing. You, you as the provider are not coaching the classes, right? And you develop this other arm of business. Uh, but I don't want to mislead people, make them think that that's just a simple little, you know, flip on a light switch and it's, it's easy there. You are helping helping them get some freedom from their practice and not have to be the only, you know, it's like um, the Iron Man suit where they're, they're that core thing that makes all the energy, you know, and, and everything else sucks the energy out of them. Uh, let's jump to the idea of, of, you know, how to go about next year differently, right? Like you said, you've had all these coaching calls and I'm, and I've had some too. And it's often frustrating for to talk to people and you know they're like next year everything's going to change you know like like I said before we started recording oh man I'm going to you know next year is going to be the change I'm going to go to the gym every day I'm going to do xyz we're going to have billing systems we're going to you know standardize everything blah 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 and then you ask what they're working on and it's like we got to get more new patients and it's like okay but is that going to help the feeling that you have of overwhelm is that going to help that feeling of leaving your house when it's dark and getting home when it's dark, you know? So if you were to to help us zoom out, how should we look at the problem? Not what should we do in the office on Monday? Like how do we look at the problem differently to have a different 2024? Yeah. You bring up a great point because one of the biggest challenges we have is we're too close to everything. We're too close to our business. We're in it day in and day out. And when you're in it day in, day out, you naturally create perspectives and biases that you don't even realize you have. But Absolutely. We all have biases. I mean, we're yeah. humans that we have biases. So a great exercise is getting yourself out. Do not do this exercise inside your clinic. Clinic is the worst place to do anything like business thinking. It, it, it's not creative. It's not innovative. But get out, get out in those space and you know, use what Stephen Covey uh, said, begin with the end in mind. And what he means by that is look at next year, picture this time next year, picture Thanksgiving next year. What does it look like if it could look like anything you want? That's an important part. What does it look like if it could look like anything you want? Meaning, don't try to figure out how you're going to get there. And if you can't figure it out, you're not going to say you want it, right? Go back to that childhood, that five-year-old that said, I want to be president or I want to do that. Like get a little bit of pushing that out of that comfort zone, even yep. though you may not have a lot of history of, well, I've never done that before. How am I going to do yeah. that? That's yeah. the mistake we make. Just put that vision, describe what your business looks like. Describe, well, how much money are you making? How many people are you taking care of? Are you offering additional services such as a gym, another revenue stream? Get as clear of a picture 
of, of what that looks like. And here's how you know if you're on it. You want them writing this down? I mean, oh, hell yeah. Draw it out, write it down, ink, ink to care. paper. Draw it out, yeah. put it on. I like whiteboards. I put it on whiteboards. I do it on sticky notes all over the place. Draw it out. Make this something that you're working on, not just sit down for 10 minutes and draw it out real quick. Like come back to it. And when you come back to it, there's a couple of things that you, that you want to, um, sense if you're doing it right. One, it's exciting. What you wrote down when you look at it, it lights you up. Two, it's a little bit, um, nervous. It's exciting, yet it's a little nervous. You're like, Oh my God, if that really would happen, that's exciting, but I'm scared to death. Like, can I really do that? That's when you know you're on the, if it doesn't move you emotionally, you know what? It's, yeah. it's just some transactional crap that you're putting down. Yeah. I can remember this, Jamie. I mean, I'm glad you're bringing up that because I remember early in practice, maybe I was like three or four years in and I was in that point where we hadn't hit a good inflection point. It was, it was growing simply by block and tackle, you know, just pull harder, work longer, pull harder, work longer. And I remember I was doing some math and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I started the year, I'm going to take off the week of Thanksgiving. Right. And then it's like, all right, as it got closer, I was like, all right, maybe we'll book patience for Monday. All right. Maybe, maybe Monday and Tuesday. Right. And then finally I was like, all right, we'll see patients Monday through Wednesday and we'll be done, you know, Wednesday at, at 10 a.m. Then that shifted to noon. And then, and finally I was, my front desk person comes up to me. He's like, uh, I thought, I thought we were taking the week off. So I was planning on being with my family on Wednesday. And I was like, Oh, well, we, we really need you at the front. And she's like, she got this weird look in, in her eyes. And she's like, I thought you wanted to be with your family on Wednesday. And it was like, knife to the guts, you know, just like, Oh, I did remember saying that at some point, you know, and then it was like the hand of God working in my life. We booked up patients Wednesday, 8am to four, right? We're closing a couple hours early. Wednesday comes and the phone, I don't have front desk staff. I treat a patient at like eight from like eight to 10, a couple people came in and then the phone was ringing off the hook. Like, Oh, I need to cancel. I need to do this. I, I'm, and every reason was my sister just got to town. I want to spend time with her. My so-and-so was landing at the airport. I want to spend time with her. And it was like God shoving the idea of spending time with family in my ear for six straight hours. We didn't need to be open Wednesday. I'd given up my belief to doing that, you know, and, and everybody else was like, yeah, we're not, we're not coming in. So I saw like four patients and, you know, and I didn't spend the time with my family, but I remember sitting there going, next year is going to be totally different. Next year, we're not going to do this. We're going to take a trip. I want to take a cruise on Thanksgiving week, blah, 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 blah. And it was intimidating and it was scary. And it was hard to think like, wow, what would that mean? It's going to cost money. We're not going to make any revenue that week because I'm going to, you know, I won't be treating. Uh, so I think that's a fantastic way to look at it is the emotion of what you truly want is really easy to pick apart at the holidays versus like just, you know, what do you want the third week of March to be like? It's like, well, I don't know. It's a normal week, you know? Yeah, it, it, exactly. Um, and, and to your point, I, um, you know, one of the things I put down when I, when I did this exercise and I do this exercise every year myself, I still do it because we're all disciplined to an existing set of habits. So whatever you're getting right now, it's because your habits are giving that result. Mm -hmm. 
So I know that in order to change my results, I got to change my habits. In order to change my habits, I have to think differently about the thing and start putting in actions that will eventually get me down a different path. So in this case, I just wanted to stop Josh working weekends, man. I was working Saturday mornings. I was missing kids events. I remember my wife going, where the hell are you? Yeah. I'm going to lunch with a friend. You said you'd be at the clinic for two hours. You've been there for four hours. You know what? I'm taking the kids, dropping them off at my mom's house. I walk into my house and there's a note in black marker. And it says, Jamie, you are not present in this house. Ugh. Are you kidding me? You want to talk about a knife gut? Yeah. You are not present. That means even when I'm home, I wasn't home. Oh, when yeah. I was at work, I was there. And that caused me to say, you know what? There has to be a better way than this. Because this is every reason why I did not want to work for someone else. I wanted yeah. to work for myself so I could have control over my schedule and come home. And then I get sucked into what you just said was, but the more I work, the more money I get. No, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's not the case. The mm -hmm. more efficient you are, the more efficient your business is. When you add in other revenue streams, that doesn't require you to do it. We're wasting so much time and money that if we just slow down for a second, we can actually make money and more money and work less. Yeah. And so when you start having this visualization and writing it down of this next year, include what your schedule looks like. And then what you want to do is saying, okay, what would have to happen in order for that to be a reality? Yeah. Just, just pose that question. What would have to happen? Again, we're not solving the problem. We are such problem solvers that our mm -hmm. brain will go into, but how are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? Yeah. Just what would have to happen? Well, I would have to have um, an additional associate for sure. Yeah. Or at least yeah. someone to cover. I would have to schedule in advance my vacation. Right. I would have to get better at saying no to people that want to pop in during yeah. Friday after 12, which was another yeah. goal. Stop working Friday after 12. So you start to prime the things that would have to happen for you to actually achieve that. Mm -hmm. So that would be another question. And then we can get into a little bit more specific. I like to look at things in quarters, right? So first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. So you then say, okay, what is, what would have to happen the first quarter? What is the goal or the objective in the first quarter of 2024 that would put me on the right track to achieve what I want mm. in Q4? So this could be um, perhaps... I would need to um, hire an associate or at least a part-time associate and start learning how to back away a little bit of my schedule. I would need to um, focus more, block out time and focus more on meeting with, you know, yeah. five referral sources every week or every couple weeks. Right. Um, I would need to better um, um, manage my schedule and block out weekends. Or, so yeah. at the end of Q1, I am not going to be doing any work 
on the weekends, which means I have to be better at doing my, let's say, documentation or whatever. Yeah, right. Like I'm not leaving the office until that day's documentation is done because that means I don't have to spend Saturday for four hours doing it when I'm at, should be at soccer. So exactly. So the, 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 the Q1 objectives, and there shouldn't be more than a couple, right? Between one and three objectives, because each of, each of them are going to have components to it. Mm-hmm. So they should be in line what you're trying to achieve at the end of the year. Yeah. That's, that's how, you know, we have a yearly planner and that's how it's based on. It's based on the different areas of your business, you know, the financial, the revenues, the operations and, and all of that and the financials. But then it's also based on, okay, where am I spending my time? What is the focus that is going to make the biggest difference in me achieving what I want? And what mm-hmm. happens, Josh, we are so reactive. You know, there's a great saying that says, when emotion is high, intelligence is low. When our emotions are high, and this happens every day. I like that. Yeah. When our, when our emotions are high, we get hijacked in our amygdala, right? Amygdala hijack. And we make reactive decisions, not rational, not thought, thought through decisions, reactive decisions. And those decisions we make typically cause more problems than whatever the problem we're facing, mm-hmm. right? We'll say mm-hmm. something to a staff. We'll, we'll say, sure, sure, sure. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to handle your schedule if you're not there. Next thing you know, your spouse is, is upset because you're working now more hours instead of being at home. Like we're making these reactive decisions all day long because we're focusing on patient care, looking over our staff and making key yeah. decisions about our business. And then yeah. we wonder why we never really get out of this situation. We have to mm. really slow down and spend more time thinking about our business than we do um, to make a real change. Yeah. All right. You know, I'm sure a lot of people listening have, and, and Jamie, I want I want you to know your answer was, fantastic there. I don't want to brush over that. I, I think um, queuing into that emotional aspect is is oftentimes the fuel that leads, gets us started. Uh, but I don't think that it's a new idea to think about this change in practice, right? I think Mm-mm. I'm sure every practitioner you encounter that certainly the owners of them are just like, yeah, I want it to be different. Okay. So we get to the new year and here's a common thing I th- I hear, right? We're going to do X, Y, and Z differently. And then that gets met with, yeah, but where in your schedule are you going to do that? You still have a full schedule of patients or you're still dealing with HR issues or you're still, you know, your, your, uh, your wife has asked you to take the kids to school on Tuesday and Thursday mornings. And that puts you about an hour behind and in practice, which are totally normal things. And, and I'm not saying any of those are bad. I'm just saying that it's hard to carve out that bandwidth in, you know, the daily operations. And you look at your calendar and your calendar is time is the often the control thing, right? Hell, it controls billing, right? Like if you didn't have a clock on the wall, it'd be like, oh, all my patient visits are 90 minutes long, except I get reimbursed for 10 of it, you know? Anyways, what recommendations do you have for people to, to find that space in their calendar, in their time, in their week to allow these changes to take place. And I like the fact that you said, hey, only focus on three and a quarter. I'd agree. Like if you focus, if you're like, oh, I'm going to focus on these seven. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> no, you're set. You're you know, set it's just not going to happen. Yeah. 
So there, there's a comp, there's a couple things that that we we share with people. One of them is called uh, chunking, chunking time. Okay. okay. So chunking time is um, concentrating activities, especially similar activities, in a shorter amount. So if you're treating five days a week from mm-hmm. eight to four, yeah, why not take off an entire day and add additional hour, maybe an additional hour on each of the other days and buy back an entire day. Or you can start with half a day's. This idea of trying to find a half hour here, an hour there doesn't work. Your brain yeah. can't let go of what you were doing before that quickly. It's better mm-hmm. to have significant times blocked off, like two, three hours or a half a day or a full day. So time chunking is a really big one. The other thing with time chunking is try to do activities that are very similar. So if you're going to do marketing, don't market like real quick during lunch. Block out a half a day and market all at once. You get into a flow. You get into a rhythm when you do that. Same thing with patient care. When you do patient care, do it for four hours. Do it all day. Rather right. than split it up all the time because it takes time to get back into that flow. Yeah. So and I, a- I think that, you know, what we, we often forget when we're trying to improve our time is, you know, whether it's tools or positions or even the way you're dressed. So if you want to record a bunch of social media videos, you might spend five or 10 minutes just setting up the camera and the light and, you know, getting the script. It's like, yeah. So if you're going to burn that five or 10 minutes, Make a bunch of videos instead of one or two, you know, or three for the week. Like when I do these podcasts, like I got to have, I want to have a nice microphone. I want to do blah, 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 and shut off a bunch of the background noise. The best thing to do would record five in a row, you know, which I don't do yet, but I need, I, I should probably chunk that out. Um, and when you're marketing, like driving around to different offices, like, you know, if you're talking to local doctors or whatever, you get in a flow and it takes way less to do five than it does to do one doctor five times. You know what I mean? Like you, well, you, you kind of get used to it. Yeah. When you're in the flow of something, you, you, time just kind of disappears. Yeah. Yes. You're still using your energy, but you're not zapping it. Your energy zaps mm-hmm. when you do a couple of things. One, you start and stop a lot of different activities. Mm-hmm. Number one. Number two, you're doing something which is not a high energy activity for you. It's not mm-hmm. something that lights you up which is the second thing that I recommend. Look, we all have the most important non-renewable resource and that's time. We're never getting back more time. So the question is, what are you doing right now that is sucking the energy out of you? It's important, yes, but not necessarily important for you to do. Dan Martell in his book, How to Buy Back Time, talks about this idea that, look, Either you can do the activity that you don't particularly like to do and you're not good at it, or you can have someone else do it. It could be an activity that someone else on your team can just take over and you can delegate, or it could be an activity that you invest someone else to do that and take it off your plate. That's mm-hmm. how you buy back time. If I, I've never seen someone schedule that there wasn't a significant time that was being done in areas that they don't like. I go, Wait a minute. So you're doing bookkeeping, you're doing this, you're doing social media, like putting, yeah, I go, 
do you love that stuff? You're like, no, I really hate it. I go, then why don't you have someone else do it? Someone else who actually likes that. Because then with your time, you can do better at generating more referrals in your business or hiring an associate or adding, tightening up some systems to make the business run more efficient or creating a better you know, client experience or whatever it is that you want to do. So you start looking at the admin activities. That's where I would start. Your administrative activities that the owner is doing because they feel like they either should be doing or the worst excuse, I'm trying to save money. I used to do right. bookkeeping. I wasn't saving money. It was costing me thousands every month because I didn't know what the hell I was doing and I hated it. But my mindset was I was saving money until I hired a real professional bookkeeper. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I was doing this for so many years. Yeah. So I had a friend who was activities. like, he, 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 was a, he does a lot of work in personal injury. So his collections were something. I mean, he had like, $350,000, of uh, AR sitting out there, accounts receivable. And he's like, oh yeah, I like collecting it myself because it, you know, gives me, uh, helps me interact with the attorneys, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so his wife finally is like, none of the attorneys are the ones that handle the collections. It's always their paralegals or financial, whatever. So she encourages him to hire somebody, right? The first month, that lady collected $127,000 that was owed just sitting there because he didn't have the time to make the phone calls. And it literally was just like making phone calls. I mean, like, can you imagine getting $127,000 in your practice of money you thought was not available? It's just like, do you want this? Yeah. And then she's like, yeah, I I charge, uh, she's like, I charge 5% of the thing. And he's like, no. This is how dumb he is. He's a good friend of mine. So he's dumb. He goes, God, that's a lot of money. I mean, that's like 6000 you know, $6,200. And I'm sitting there and his wife calls me on the phone and goes, hey, listen, if somebody collected $127,000 for you in one, one month, how much would you pay that person? And I was like, as much as they want? I don't know. She's like, Glenn is, is worried that we're paying him 5% of what's collected, not of... Of what's collected. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you're being an idiot right now. <laughs> like, well, that is a gift from God. Anyway, yeah, it was so, just funny. Like, he's like, I want to save money. I'm like, she found free money. What is this idea of like, I want to save money? Like, you know. It's, well, I'll, I'll tell you, Josh, and, and I know you know this, but for the listeners, one, he has a scarcity mindset. Right? Yeah. That's number one. He, he thinks in terms of fear around why should I pay that money? I can do it myself. So he doesn't really value his time right? as much as he is fearful of, I need money. Even though this is making more money than he's ever seen at one time with someone else. So that, that scarcity mindset is huge. But the other thing that we talked about at the very beginning is how we think about our business determines the actions we take, determines the results. Think about what happened from a psychology point of view, because this isn't rational right? Remember I told you when emotion is high, intelligence Mm -hmm. is low? This is completely irrational. So what he did is saying, um, I'd like to collect the money myself because I want to to make connections with the attorney. Mm -hmm. That is the irrational thought because A, you're not talking to the attorneys. You're talking to everyone else but the attorneys. And B, what the hell is this going to have anything to do with you creating a deeper relationship with them? 
right? How about you don't do this and you spend your time actually having a, you know, coffee around a, a deeper, but, but so many of us, I mean, so many of us think like this, but we don't realize we're thinking like this. There's no coach. There's no person that is looking and talking to you and saying, thank God for his wife. Are you, are you sure that you think your time is best spent by doing this instead of, and then of course, when he had to pay the person, he was so scared to let go of 6,200, which he wasn't letting go of because he didn't even have it until she collected it. But again, that's irrational, right? We're, we're speaking irrational yeah, now. Yeah. Um, that he didn't want to actually do it. How many of us don't invest in things that are actually good for them? Invest in yeah. having another revenue stream in a gym, investing in what I do as a coach, investing in other things around your business yeah. to help it grow. We stay small, we stay contracted, and yet at the beginning of the year, what do we say? I want more patience. I want to make more money. I want to have a better life. I want to lose weight. I want to do this. And there's nothing on their calendar. There's nothing in their habits that are suggesting any of that's going to happen. So yep. you're really just talking nonsense to make yourself feel good for a minute. But the reality is the hard truth is nothing's going to change, but it could that's the thing. It could, you're certainly capable of it, but it starts with how you are thinking about your business and you have to get rid of, at least when you're thinking about your business, the clinical mindset that creeps in there because your clinical thinking and your business thinking couldn't be further apart from one another. Yeah. You know what? What's funny as you're saying that I've been studying a lot about patient communication lately and the overwhelming evidence is we as doctors focus on the diagnosis or the disease, right? So when somebody comes in to your practice with rotator cuff, you're focused on the rotator cuff itself. What the patient wants us to focus on repeatedly is focus on the whole person. What's it going to be like when I need to do laundry after I have a rotator cuff repair? It's like, well, it's a pain in the ass to fold towels with one arm. It's a pain in the ass to fold shirts with one arm or do anything with one arm, right? When you're in a sling, they don't care about, oh, well, we're going to wait four weeks for the tendons to heal and the muscular tendinous junction to really stiffen because if we don't have that, we don't have these, you know, whatever, neutrophils and fibroblasts and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but we, that's what we think they want. It's like, oh, let me t dive deep and, and just have this tiny little focus. Like I'm looking through a straw at your rotator cuff and they're like, yeah, I don't really care. Like I had surgery to fix it. What I care about is when can I clean my house again myself? When can I pick up groceries with that hand? When can I put on a freaking sweater if it gets cold? You know, like, is there, is it, that's what they want to know. When can I return to pickleball? Because that was my dominant arm that I was using to swing the, the paddle, blah, 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 blah. And it's exactly what you're saying. Like, it goes back to what you said earlier, like, don't do this in your practice, because if you're sitting at your desk in your practice, your focus is going to be small. You're going to be like, you know what? I need to run the vacuum real quick instead of, you know, because that's a task that really needs to get done right now. Instead of looking at the big picture of how could I expand this 10x over the next two years, right? And, yeah, I think, and our I think focus gets so finite and it's like, stop, zoom out. And I think what what yeah. I pick up from you in your coaching is you're going to get them offsite and you're going to zoom way out and go like from the top, what the hell do you want? 
Like what, what's the practice you want? What do you want in life? Like, do you want to be working 60 hours a week and going in on Saturdays, you know, or do you want something else? Yeah. So you bring up a great point around coaching. A coach is designed to help you guide you, help you create a plan and a path to get what you want. But in order to do that, we have to figure out what resonates with you, what excites you. And when a patient comes in, and this is, I'm getting to the point here. When a patient comes in, the patient is asking one question. What's in it for me? Or two questions. What's in it for me and why do I care? Nobody wants chiropractic services. Nobody wants physical therapy. Nobody wants a surgery. Nobody wants to take medication. You see, nobody wants any of the stuff that we do. But Josh, what do they want? They want the result and the benefits that we provide. So when someone comes in and we do training around this, right? When someone comes in, you have to be focusing on why are they here? Because they're not here to discuss the details of their neutrophils of their arm. They're here to vacuum, to play pickleball, to be with their friends, to not feel like an invalid. And if we are not, as professionals, addressing that, then we are missing the boat. That's why people will cancel. That's why people won't refer their friends because they we're not looking at it from what is important to them. They already know we know our shit. They know we know our craft. That's why we're professionals. There's doctors in front of our name. But this is the same way we address um, referral sources. You go to the attorney. Why is that attorney we're going to want to work with you? What are you really providing to help them? What's in it for them? Why should they care? And when you go in there and say, I'm the best, you should refer to me. They're like, you're the fourth person that came in today. So we have to spend time really diving in. What are the attorney's issues? What are What do they want? What perhaps are they not getting? I call them pain points. What are yep. their challenge, worries, or fears that we can help them with? That will separate you from everyone else. The same thing with your patients. So there's a theme here um, yep. that we have to really learn how to do. And we're not taught how to do any of this. So if, it's, if you're comfortable right now in your business, if you're comfortable doing what you're doing, you are going to have some trouble because we need to get uncomfortable to start learning how to build and grow a business that gives us what we want selfishly, gives us the money, gives us the time, and we serve more people. It's a win-win-win, but only if you believe a win-win-win is possible. If you don't believe it, you have to lose or your patients have to lose. And since none of us will say our patients have to lose, you'll sacrifice your own well-being to do it. And to me, that ain't no reason to have a business. No. What do you think your patients would want for you too? If you said, hey, Mrs. Mrs. Johnson, I'll treat you, but you know, it's, it's actually costing me money to do that. She wouldn't want that for you. Nobody would want that for you, except you're just accepting it. So yeah, a, a mentor of mine once said, as you touched on something, he said, in business, if you're just coasting, you've got to be pointed downhill. <laughs> it's like- If you're coasting, you're going downhill. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love that. Anyways, well, Jamie, this has been a, a great talk, and I, I really hope people listen to this a couple times before the new year. Uh, if folks want to reach out to you and kind of uh, get some more guidance, get some coaching from you, where can they find you? Yeah, the best place to do it is you can just reach out to me personally, Jamie at practicefreedomu.com. 
Um, happy to answer your questions or set up a time to talk. And that's um, .com, right? PracticeFreedomU.com. Yeah, yep. yeah. PracticeFreedomU, okay. the letter U.com. Um, you can go visit my website, PracticeFreedomU.com as well. Um, yeah. I'm all over social media. Just Jamie Schreier. You'll find me everywhere. I pump out a ton of content, a ton of trainings. I want to mm-hmm. I give away like 90% of the stuff that I know because I want you to have it. And I want you to do it. And what I also realized, not, not everyone can actually do it on their own. So me giving away stuff, hey, I'm happy to give people anything they need. You know, reach out, happy to help. Awesome. Well, Jamie, I certainly appreciate it. You know, we I do a sign off at the end of this every time, uh, but I think it's extra uh, apropos of what we've talked about. So on behalf of Jamie Schreier, this is Josh Sider saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks so much, Jamie. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. Got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.